Hello? Hello? So what, no fucking ZD now? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Hi, welcome to You Know That episode. I'm Victoria. And I'm Trevor. We're two friends who watch too much TV. We break down iconic episodes of good shows. And bad. And explain why we feel the way we do. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 18 of Glee, titled Born This Way, which aired on April 26, 2011. I have the biggest smile on my face. This is my all-time favorite episode of Glee. My number one favorite. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Everything from all of the music in this episode, like hits after hits, bangers, like Mm -hmm. everybody's top performances, like there's not a single song in this episode that I would skip. It really is. I, I literally love every single song. Like, there's times where I'm just like, you know what? I have a hankering to listen to the mashup from this episode, and I'll literally put on Pretty Unpretty. Or I'll literally be like, you know what? I want to listen to Cory Monty's best performance all of a sudden, and I'll literally put on <laughs> I've Gotta Be Me. Like, tell me how he sounded so damn good on that song. It was no, just... No, it, like, blew me away. I forgot. Because, and I... Cory Monty was so such a talented vocalist and like i think i forget that a lot of the time because finn is just like not a character i check for when i revisit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but watching this episode i just was like oh my god yeah this is hands down his best performance yeah like really tried on this song he was like he was hitting notes that i don't think he hits again and like really acting like i was like i was in it i was like uh, totally on his side in this episode which is so rare for finn I was immersed. And and then there's, of course, the icon- one of the iconic um, locker scenes between Brittany and Santana, which is probably one of the main reasons that this episode is one of my favorites, because it's Brittany and Santana confronting their relationship. And yeah. they did it in the episode right before this, too, which is called Sexy, which I have to say this episode and Sexy are tied kind of for me, like neck and neck. But there's, that makes there's a couple of storylines in Sexy that I don't care for. Um, and, and this episode is much more like powerful. So this episode is no filler, no filler. It's just all a hundred percent. You care about everything that happens in this episode. You're sucked in. And so that's why it's my favorite episode. What did you think of it? I forgot how stacked this episode is. Yeah. Cause it's one of those that was so pivotal in the fandom and like the online experience. Yeah. And the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, oh, it felt like two hours long for some reason, but in the best way. I have a feeling it's because we keep pausing. Like, I just, it was like, just... don't you feel like it's because we keep pausing to take notes? I think that's what's making it feel longer for me, at least. Like, these episodes are going so slowly, and it's because I have thoughts, and I'm just, like, literally just, like, writing everything down rapid fire. But I wasn't even, like, pausing that much this episode. I was just kind of watching it. I kind of watched it, like, one and a half times, I think. Mm-hmm. while doing my notes because I was just like immersed in it and then I was like wait let me go back but I wasn't like taking a moment but because it was just like I was so into it I forgot how many iconic yeah this has so many moments that people when they think of Glee they think of this episode I have to ask is Sydney sleeping right next to you oh my god she is can you hear her oh my god I can literally hear her little breaths it's so adorable sorry for sorry to the listeners my dog does have um anxiety and will freak out if she's not in the same room as me so oh my god don't say sorry but it's so adorable I was like wait I don't think Trevor's breathing that hard (laughs) (laughs) no that's Sydney she's the baby (laughs) she's such a mess let her sleep the poor thing speaking of messes Dave Karofsky's in this episode. Yeah. And I uh, I 
Ew. Audibly, like, gagged. I physically recoiled. It's so infuriating. I have to say, they did a great job on the casting for him. Yes, he's like, so... Like, he looks like the kind of guy who would bully yes. people, and then it would later on be revealed that, you know... Yeah, and it he just has that face. He has that face where you're like, oh, yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah. And you hate yourself so much. Mm-hmm. And because of him, we get so many iconic Santana scenes this episode. Yeah. I mean, the notes after notes after notes. Truly. Like, she was gift so heavily and memed so heavily in this episode. Like, pretty much every line she says was turned into a gif or a meme, and they were all circulating like crazy. It's so true. And, like, it was, an, yeah, it was another thing that I just forgot while wa- re-watching this for the first time, and probably since college, probably since, like, 2016 is the last time I watched this episode. And really did a proper rewatch of Glee in the first place. But I just forgot how, yeah, she's on one in this episode. This is like, they. this is them getting in Santana's bag. Like, truly, she was on fire. Yeah, this one and Sexy are her two, I would say, like, two of her most strongest episodes. Definitely two of her quippiest. They bring her out of the background and into the forefront. And they give mm-hmm. us a different storyline than what we've been currently seeing, which is like, sure, we have a gay kid and sure, he's kind of... Like, he's half out, you know, he's not, he hadn't gotten there yet with his dad, and he was kind of forced to get there with his dad because of what happened with Dave, and, yeah, um, you know, he's coming, he's come into his own, and he's more confident now, and, and all that, but we still kind of, we haven't seen that storyline fully fleshed out on the flip side, like, we haven't seen a lesbian character yet on the show, I mean, we've, we've kind of, like, had hintings of Britney and Santana, but it's always yeah. been kind of a joke. It's never sort of been actually fleshed out. And I think they did a really good job of making it half serious, but keeping things lighthearted with Britney. And also just in general, of like comparing the two storylines and characters and like their coming out journeys, it's so different because Kurt was so heavily like, yeah, Kurt may not have been out to his dad at the beginning, but Kurt was not hiding really anything like he wasn't code switching he wasn't acting different everyone knew he was gay you know what i mean like yeah. i mean except mercedes <laughs> but santana it's such an interesting flip of that where no one was expecting her to be gay she was like the pretty popular girl she wasn't stereotypically like lesbian like she wasn't a visually stereotypical lesbian yeah like you would normally see portrayed in like media and stuff like mm-hmm. that or just like People have their own expectations and stuff. And you have the whole scenario of like, oh, we're just girls doing this. Like, we're just girls. Like, pretty girls do this. All that. Like, you see in so many shitty movies in the 2000s of like, oh, we're not gay. We're just two girls. Mm. Yeah. And then you have her actually being like, no, I'm a lesbian. I love you. You don't love me. Which is not true, we know. We know it's not, but she feels really guilty to break up with Artie over it and she feels upset that Santana would tell her that when she knows she's dating Artie for me it would be a no-brainer I mean well yeah and it's so Santana's so expecting her like just expects her to be like okay I'll drop him immediately I mean it's good on Britney that she wouldn't but it's also like kind of shitty that Britney wouldn't because she's been doing this with Santana too like yeah exactly first Britney doesn't seem to care that she's with Artie when she's doing all this with Santana but then when Santana's like okay now break up with him she's like no that's fucked up you would even ask me exactly it's like "Mm mmm I just think, I think comparing Santana and Kurt are so, it's so interesting, the difference in their, like, queer experiences, which is nice to see on a show like this, which doesn't have a lot of queer characters in the beginning. Yeah. And then eventually you get a couple more, and they're so varied in their experiences. 
Yeah, they are. I think Glee did a good job of like considering like how else they could expand on the LGBT portion of the show. Yeah. But one thing I will say too is like just continuing on this topic before we get into the actual episode because I know I'm kind of like on that whirlwind right now. But Mm -hmm. when I was watching this, I started thinking about like why is this happening? And it's like Kurt at first was not as confident in his sexuality or in his personality, but when he became more confident in his sexuality, he became more confident in his personality, which we mm-hmm. see in this episode. He's able to confront Dave. He learned a lot of strength from the Warblers. He comes yeah. back to McKinley, a renewed person with a different perspective, which we get in his song. And we get that in the scene with Dave where he's like, look, I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't believe in outing, but the truth is like, you owe me the truth. Yeah. So tell me what actually is going on and kind of you know putting on the pressure to dave to say like if you're gonna do this and you really better do it because you need to be educated the way i was when i went to dalton academy and then the flip side is santana is very confident in her personality and not confident in her sexuality and if she becomes more confident in her sexuality she feels like she's not going to be as confident in her personality that's the flip side It's the opposite, the literal opposite of Kurt, because she already has status at the school. So she does have something to lose versus for Kurt. He has nothing to lose, he feels, by gaining more confidence other than being more secure in himself. So it's like they're at opposite ends of their acceptance journey. And it's just really interesting to watch. And it is interesting to have, obviously, having seen the whole show, having the context of like what it is like when Santana does come out to her family. Yeah. And how her, like, abuela is this one she's most scared to tell. And then eventually when she does, she doesn't get a supportive reaction. She doesn't have yeah. someone, like, she has her parents, yeah. But the person she's most closest to doesn't support her. Where you have Kurt, all yeah. he has is his dad, Bert. And immediately Bert is like, I love you. And he's like, I knew you were gay since you were a kid. Yeah, it's not a shock. And even though, but he lets him deal with it and come out on his own terms. Yeah. Where Santana doesn't have that option. It's always interesting when gay folks think that our family is going to freak out and they literally don't. Mm -hmm. But it's just something so scary that every gay person has to go through at some point to think, am I projecting this fear onto my family? Am I projecting this fear of rejection onto them? Like, they've never been rejecting up to now. Yeah, exactly. They've never given any indication that they would kick me out of the house. But then that's probably what every gay person thinks. So that's why we get scared. Yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting, I'm glad that we have both of their both Kurt and Santana as visuals and yeah. these storylines because it is nice to have. Although I will say the Santana storyline where she came out to her Latina family kind of scared me. Yeah. Again, not that my family had given me any like r- super strong indication that they wouldn't be supportive. But like when you watch it, you're just like, shit, like she's a lot like me. What the hell? Exactly. What if this happens to me? It's like terrifying. It's honestly. super scary. And I mean, I had a similar coming out to Kurt where it was like never a secret. Mm. I was never something I hid. Yeah. My parents were, thank God, super accepting and like love me regardless. Yeah. But he was even like, well, do I have to tell you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that we have these two characters and they kind of represent how we were feeling and kind of our experiences a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very interesting. It is, honestly. I could talk about this for hours, but let's get into the episode a little bit. Yeah, we have to get into it. I'm obsessed with Britney's hat. Um, I will say off the top, I love it. Yeah, Britney's hat. And honestly, <laughs> when I heard That's What You Missed on Glee, it literally triggered war flashbacks. Like, I was like, whoa. Because oh. they didn't do that in the pilot. No, obviously. But, like, immediately I was like, 
oh shit, Jesus, like we're really watching this show. I right know. Now. It kind of I was excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the little like acapella, like doo 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 doo. I was like, yeah, let's get into it. Oh my god. We're in it, we're in it, we're in it. Yeah, so Britney's hat. Obsessed. Everybody there's some great outfits in this episode. I that's one There's there's Britney's hat, there's Santana's fur coat and fur oh, vest yes. and fur hat situation. There's um the bully whip outfit. I want that outfit so bad. The costumes in this episode are top notch. It's so much fun. So we open on the Glee Club. They're practicing their dance routine for nationals, sectionals. I, yeah, I think it's nationals because it's like I think they say it's like three weeks away from nationals. Right, and so they start dancing. Finn punches <laughs> Rachel in the nose, breaks her nose. He's a bad dancer, so they go to the doctor, and he's like, you know what, Rachel, don't worry, it's probably not broken, but this actually turned into a runner throughout Glee, so, like, he would say something, and then one second later, he would be proven wrong by somebody else, or, like, the action (laughs) that he said would not happen literally happens. They turned it into a runner, but I forget what other episodes it happened in, but... Yeah, I'm sure it'll come up. It's so funny. They just, every time they can, they take the legs out right out from under Finn. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny. It's like, no, this teen boy thinks he knows everything, but he knows nothing. Truly. Also, we need to talk about the doctor. Like, you should not be having this conversation with this teenage girl without her parents there. Yeah, honestly. Trying to convince her to get a nose job. It's so predatory. It kind of is. Um... And another thing that stands out is like this concept that the doctor did this for his daughters, it's so okay. that Rachel should be yeah. fine with it. Yeah, or like it's a rite of passage for Jewish girls. Like that's it's so bullshit. weird and so yeah, it's so. I mean, it was very gross scene, but I mean, I guess that's kind of the point because I mean, the whole episode is them being like, "Love yourself, acceptance," and this doctor's just like, "Ah, no, wrong." It's just crazy because we also see later on so many people in the episode start to tell Rachel, like, no, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. And I find myself going, like, actually wishing she kind of would a little yeah. bit. Like, just to piss them like, off. Kind I... of. Like, it, it kind of annoyed me how many people were against her doing it. Overall, with this episode, I was like, okay, I'm glad she didn't do it. But I am annoyed with everyone's perception of plastic surgery. And, like, changing yourself. Yes, that's exactly. Because there's nothing wrong with it. She should wait, absolutely, because she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. But, like, Santana's whole speech about, like, there's things that we should change. Like, we'll get there. But, like, it's... She's right. Yeah, she is right. If there are things you want to change, and you can do it in a healthy, safe way, you should do it. There's one more thing we need to talk about in this scene before we move on to the cut to Glee Club, which is Finn's face when the doctor asks him what his girlfriend looked like. Gagged. He's like, so what does your girlfriend look like? And Finn's look to, like, he looks to the side and he just looks completely and utterly dumbfounded. So taken aback, understandably. (laughs) This doctor is on one. Yeah, he's annoying. But also, I didn't look this up, but I did make a note. Is it a myth that a nose job will change your voice like that? I have no idea. I didn't look it up either, but I've always heard that it could. I, that's what I've heard too. I'm not going to look it up personally, but if someone would like to message us on Instagram and let us know. Yeah, write us on Insta or Twitter and let us know. That would be lovely because I like just, I care enough to ask the question, but not enough to do it. Yeah. All right. So then we cut to Glee Club where Rachel starts explaining to everybody, you know, I'm going to get a nose job, but she doesn't want to call it that. She's calling it. Fixing her deviated symptom. Um, Which is great writing. And Santana's like, so a nose job. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Yeah. 
Also, the Santana look is so beyond. It's so good. It's very Patrizia Gucci, House of Gucci, with this hat. It is. Fur hat, fur vest, glossy <sighs> lip. Um, it's just one of her most iconic looks on the whole show. Absolutely. Honk if you fell in love. Uh. And then I have to say one thing. Rachel with the broken nose looks so freaking beautiful. Still. She looks so good. The whole episode, I was like, she looks great. She literally has two black eyes and a busted nose with a Band-Aid on it. And tell me how I'm looking at her. I'm like, she looks so good. Okay. She looks so good. How is that even real? And then when she says that she wants Quinn's nose, Lauren rolling her eyes was so fucking uh, funny. Lauren oh my God. was so good in this episode. Yeah. I, I love Lauren's Ices. I like obsessed. Yeah. And I, she's a character, again, I forget, just because she wasn't in the show as long as most of the others. But, like, every time she's on screen, I was like, damn, this is great. She's doing such a good job. Yeah. So Santana sort of launches into, like, a monologue Tyrade. about... <laughs> monologue is tame. <laughs> Everybody should sort of fix whatever they want to fix about themselves. And that you don't have to love yourself if you're ugly or if you have something about yourself that you hate, then you should just fix it. Already getting his legs removed. Yeah, already getting his legs removed, and Tina should get an ID slanting. Oh my god. Jail. Jail. Insane. Like, again. Literally. I said this on the episode for the pilot. Glee gets away with some crazy shit with what they write for these characters. It's fucking crazy. Like, any other show, any other character, that would have been, like, ah, no, cut that. For some reason, Santana saying it on Glee, it just, it's fucking, it gets through. And people are like, it's so unfiltered. And then you have Mike selling Tina out about the blue contacts, which also gagged her a bit. Yeah. Tina goes, I'm in love with myself and I would never change a thing. Mike's like, is that why you're wearing blue contacts today, Tina? I died laughing. (laughs) I died. Because he's right. He's like, don't pretend, like, don't put on a front and then be a liar. Pick a lane. Santana's, I'm keeping it real. That was probably the first gif and meme that I, from this episode, I'm saying, like, out of all yeah. of the scenes. And it happened so early, too. We're like, what, like, eight minutes Barely into the into episode? Yeah. yeah. When she says that Rachel needs her beak to crack hard seeds. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. How did Leah Michelle not read this script and just be like, do they hate me? They kind this of is do. mean. Yeah. Am I, am I the drama? Am I the drama? Am I the villain? Yes, you are. Oh, man. Um, all right, so then we cut to Will and Emma in Emma's office, and he's looking for advice as to why do these kids hate themselves. And it's like, dude, you're a high school teacher. Like, why is this not easy for you to understand? They're going through puberty. Yeah. They hate themselves. Like, They're going to hate themselves for, like, six more years. Yeah. He's like, um, I know how I'm going to fix this. Like, I'm going to use their two favorite teachers, me and Gaga. I flinched. He, he needs to... Stop disrespecting Lady Gaga and putting him in the same sentence as her. He could never. He could never. Okay. Gaga he called never. and said, you're not allowed to use my name in that scene. Ugh. It's just like, he's so, so annoying. He really is. Um, I think it's really interesting that Will thinks he can solve every problem. Like, later on when yes. he starts to try and, like literally turned into a therapist for emma it started to annoy me at one point because he's literally like forcing her to work on her problem instead of encouraging her to get actual professional help like dude you can't solve this problem in one episode in in a teacher's lounge my friend like she needs to actually go get help 
no, exactly. Because when he was confronting her in the teacher's lounge, and, like, we're getting a little yeah. bit ahead of ourselves, but yeah. it's fine. When he was confronting her in the teacher's lounge about it, I'm like, this is inappropriate. This is an inappropriate yeah. place to be having this conversation. Yeah. She's obviously so uncomfortable, but doesn't have the, like, wherewithal to tell yeah. you because of your relationship. But she's so uncomfortable. There are people around. You should not be doing this here. That is... You're being rude. Yep. But he doesn't care. He only thinks about himself. Ugh. I feel like... I, the overarching theme for his character is just like selfishness he only cares yeah it's selfish she only thinks about how other people's problems relate to him yep yep every time oh my gosh but that's neither here nor there he doesn't change he doesn't spoiler alert he doesn't change yeah oh my gosh i can't stand him all right uh moving on we have a voiceover scene this time at santana instead of will um, oh, we see yes. baby Santana pining after Brittany. She's taking care of Artie and she's basically That's talking so about how she really wants Brittany to love her and that what can she do to make Brittany leave Artie for her? And she realizes I'm going to make myself prom queen, but how am I going to do that? And she realizes that she needs to bring Kurt back to the school and run for prom queen with Dave Karofsky pretty much. Oh. And also Sam, his little like Sean Connery impression in this scene is so cute. Sam is so cute. I love him. Santana's confused look when he does that impression is me whenever men talk to me. I'm just like, huh? No. Wait. Fundamentally, <laughs> exactly. But he's. I was just like, oh, I love him. I like Sam. I must. I I like Sam. He always he always hits the right spot for me. I'm like, he's just a cutie. A weird little cutie. Wait, you skipped over the next amazing Santana quote. 50 minutes, 43 seconds. I'm a closet lesbian and a judgmental bitch. Why is that me from 2009 to 2016? Oh my God, you're right. I'm so sorry. So many good lines in this episode. I was going to say, how did you not get that like fully tattooed on your chest? Yeah. That was the gif on Tumblr. It was everywhere. It was unavoidable. Um. All right, and then... Lima Bean. We cut to the Lima Bean. She's sitting there with yes. Tina, Kurt, Blaine. Mercedes is there, I think. Yeah, I think so. And she's just thinking. She's just off in another world. Santana's like still thinking about her prom queenish, and that's when it hits her that Kurt is the ticket to winning it. Mm-hmm. That it, she has to make things right with Dave in order to bring Kurt back to the school. Again, if another character did this, I'd be like, she's so evil and conniving, I hate her. But the fact that it's Santana, I'm like, yeah, you better work. Yeah, and all for her girl, too. This is all so she could get Britney back. Ugh. This is lesbian antics. It really is. At its is. finest. I love her so they much. They really just be doing some shit. Oh my god. 49 minutes, 56 seconds, I've got a gay. Another, another one, another one. So fucking funny. Also, this is the scene, I posted a screenshot of my notes about Blaine. This is that scene. Oh, right. Blaine, I love you. I love you so much. That is my man. This whole, this episode is so good for Blaine fans. It's so good. Is it just me or Darren? Chris is kind of short. I kind of didn't realize he's kind of short. He's a shorty. Yeah. He's... I think Chris Colfer was taller than him. I actually think so, too. Interesting. Santana and Blaine, like, this episode is about them. It's about Kurt, too. But Blaine steals the show every single time. Ooh, I love it. I think he steals the show for you. He's, oh, every time. That's my king. That's yeah. my man. 
That's like me with Santana. I can literally, like, I'll be, like, looking in the background of every scene to see what she's wearing in the background of a scene. Oh, absolutely. And it's always something stunning. It always is. And that brings us back to the Glee Club, where Will basically tells them, you know what we're going to do? We are going to perform Born This Way. And Rachel literally looks like she's about to cry. That's literally me every time Born This Way comes on. So embarrassing. Would you not be embarrassed if this whole lesson was about you? I kind of would, but at the same time, I would be so happy because I love Born This Way. That's my favorite Gaga song yeah. and my favorite album. So I would be like kind of happy. You have good taste. Yeah, I do. Um, all right. So yeah, so Santana's outfit in this scene, black floral shirt, hoop earrings, gorgeous smile, mm. side swept bangs. Yes, the smile is part of the outfit. Honk if you fell in love. Part two. Honk, honk, baby. She looks so good. Um, Emma, that is not a letterpress that is iron on, but I will let it slide. By what stretch of the imagination is that a letterpress? Who did they consult? Absolutely. Nobody in the writer's room knew what a letterpress was. Look, I have so much debt because I have a degree that, which essentially means I'm a professional stamp maker. (laughs) I know that is not a letterpress. Right. That is some Jersey Shore t-shirt shop iron on letter shit. Hey, don't shit on Jersey Shore. I would never. Why does Emma have that, first off? What is the reason? Why doesn't Finn want Emma in the room? He literally asks why she's in the room twice. <laughs> He's rude. He's like, excuse me, um, why is Miss Pillsbury here? And then Will's like, we'll get to that. So anyway, we're making t-shirts. He's like, okay, that's fine. Excuse me, why is Emma in this room at He's this moment? He's being a hater. He is. But I'm kind of the same. I, I don't really, I'm not really the biggest Emma fan. Will half wincing, half smiling when Emma talks about how she's a ginger is me in most scenes where Emma is in them, honestly. I agree. I will be buying this ginger shirt for my boyfriend. <laughs> it is so fucking funny. I was watching um, this and I was like, I will be bullying Tony with this. These shirts are amazing. All of the shirts in this episode They're are so amazing. good. Yep, they're so they are. fucking good. They are. And they sold them at Glee Live too, which we'll get to Glee Live in a, in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Also, Will being annoyed that Emma... Yeah, like you were saying, like, wincing and being annoyed. I'm like, it's not there. It's, she shouldn't have to tell these children about her mental illness. Yeah, it's not really anybody's Especially business. Especially when it's not... Like, she's taking care of it or have it uh, having it under control or, like, being able to work with it. Like, at this point in her life, it is debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. She shouldn't have to explain that to a bunch of teenagers just because you're weirdly friends with them. Will is honestly super messy for trying to force her to confront it. Um, I get that it's supposed to make us like him, but they, they messed it up because I think now, like, maybe when I first watched this episode, I might not have realized exactly how messy it was. Like, I would like to think I would have, but thinking back to it in high school, I might have been like, oh, yeah. it's really sweet that he cares about her so much and he's trying to force her to get better. Yeah. But now watching it, I'm just like, he went about it in totally the wrong way. Absolutely. It's like, dude, you have to, you should want to help her and you should do everything in your power, but you need to just, you can't force her to do it because that's just going to backfire. Mm-hmm. But. Right. Okay, so then we cut to a scene with Lauren Zeises. Um Did you know that Ashley Fink is um, Chris Colfer's best friend in real life? I did know that. They, like, act... Like, a lot of the Glee cast stays really close with each other. I mean, except for Leah Michelle. <laughs> I don't think any of them talk to her. Yeah. But he's... They're always together. Yeah. Like, I was on his Instagram a couple months ago, and they were, like, spending the holidays together. Like, they're still they're best, like best friends. It's very sweet. Yeah, it is. And, like, I know um, 
Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz are still, like, incredibly close, too, which is very sweet. Yep. But yeah, it just it's nice to see stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so Lauren's icy scene, she's talking about how she wants to be prom queen. Um, she's kind of intimidated by the fact that she thinks Quinn is, like, definitely going to win. Um, I think Puck is in the scene, but I make it a note not to pay mm. attention to him, so I don't really know what he was saying. The only thing I said about Puck in the scene was that he looks so fucking old. <laughs> he does. He, I think he was older. He looks so old compared to the rest of the cast. And, like, yeah, they all were in their 20s and shit like that. I think Chris Colfer was maybe the youngest one of the cast. Yeah, that checks out. Because he was under 21, I think, when they started. He also mm-hmm. looks the youngest by far in season one. Yeah, he but does. But it's just, Puck looks old as fuck. Yep. It's wild. While Lauren is explaining her, like, days as a baby pageant person, she gets the crazy um, piano music under her that's usually reserved for Quinn. Yep. Play that shit at my funeral. I love it. It's so insane. It's so sinister. It's It's so sinister. sinister. Which, I mean, makes sense for the two of them because they are both so vicious. They are vicious characters. I love it. Yeah. I like Lauren more than Quinn, though. Yeah... I I like Quinn a lot in season one because it's easier to have empathy for her. But like season two and beyond, she is on her shit. She is beyond bad shit. Yeah, season two especially, she's like pure evil more or less. She's exhausting. I, I really hate Quinn. Yeah. When they're at the doctor's office for Rachel's nose job consultation and everything like that. And Quinn says, I pretty much have a warped sense of the world. I was like, wow, this is good writing for her. Who knew she was so self-aware? She goes, my nose is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the calmness in her voice as she says that annoyed serial me killer. so much for, for some reason. I, I don't even know why it annoyed me so much. But yeah, so after the Lauren's icy scene, we cut to the doctor's office. Quinn's sitting there with Rachel. She goes, I can't believe not more people have asked me to do this. My nose is literally <laughs> awesome. Anyways, do I have your vote for prom queen? Like... The fact that she's supportive of Rachel was kind of a serve, but also it's really evil that she was only doing it to get Rachel's vote for prom queen. Yeah, she's sociopath, like, on her sociopath shit. It's crazy. She's super evil. Um, She's evil. Okay. But I like it. But we have to talk about 46 minutes where the doctor comes in and Rachel introduces her as her friend. Oh. When I say the amount of conspiracy theories that demented Faberry fans built off of the one second hesitation by Rachel introducing Quinn as this is my friend. She goes, this is my friend, Quinn. The amount. Yep. Yep. The amount. Run it I up. I can't deal with you. It was me. It was me. The ripples that that caused in the Faberry fandom. You guys are demented. They will do studies on it. No, it's so obvious why she why she had that pause though. It, the reason why yeah, is not they're fucking. what you think. <laughs> no, that's not why, my friend. It's because she doesn't actually think they're friends. They're they're like enemies. So for her to say my friend, it's so awkward. But that's what it is. Like, mm. and then we get this mashup that is so good. One of the best Glee mashups oh, of all time. So good. It's Glee at its best. And Glee was on it with the mashups. Glee, absolutely. 100%. This is one of the best TLC songs, full stop. Uh-huh. And this is one of the best musical theater songs, uh-huh. full stop. The songs in this episode are elite. And it's also so sad that Sondheim hates I Feel Pretty. He hated it. Yeah, he did. Ugh, that sucks. But like, oh, this is so good. 
It's it's such a good song and it's kind of sucks because it's like finding out that Elton John actually hates um, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. That's my favorite Elton John song. And when I found out he hated yeah. it, I was reading his memoir that he wrote uh, a couple of years ago. When I found out that he literally hated my all-time favorite song of his, I, I like almost, it's I like shed a tear. It's devastating. It's devastating. It's, like, how it's could, sad. How could you hate it? It's so good. Oh. It's so sad. But this mashup, this mashup also like fed the Faberi fandom. It did, honestly. Like you guys it ate was, that night. You guys ate that night. We did. It was, this episode has something for everybody. It does. It really does. For everybody, this has something. It's really, it's really impressive writing. Yeah. And it doesn't feel bloated. It doesn't. It just speeds by. Everything just kind of happens. You start laughing and then you're on to the next. But um, mm-hmm. Diana Agron is astoundingly gorgeous in this scene. Like. It's so unnerving how pretty she is. You just know that Taylor Swift booty called her after this episode aired. Wait, funny thing. So our best friend, Michelle, hey, texted me listening to our first episode and said, if you talk about Diana Agron and Taylor Swift and you don't have me on as a guest, you will be hearing from my lawyers. So eventually, <laughs> when one day when we talk about Swift Gron, which I know it'll come up at one point, like in a deeper context, we will have to have Michelle on because I will never hear the end of it <laughs> if we don't. Yeah, we got to have Michelle on. Absolutely. But like that, that was a note that I received while listening, while getting feedback from the first episode. (laughs) Noted. So don't Um, worry, Michelle. Don't worry, Michelle. We won't go too in depth. You'll be on the episode. I promise. Yeah. Um, all right. So the scene kind of pivots to them finishing the song in Glee Club and Mm -hmm. 44 minutes, 45 seconds. I clock Finn looking completely lost in the sauce, watching Quinn and Rachel sing this song together and trying to decide who he likes more. He looks so confused. He's like, um, I don't know, because like once Rachel has Quinn's nose, like she will be hotter. So I wonder if that makes it okay for me to like her more than this evil bitch I've been with up to now. But also like Um, that is so fair because that's how boys think. Yeah, probably. Boys are bad. I wouldn't know. No, you're fucking so lucky. <laughs> Quinn being fat phobic, we hate it. It's so she's so evil. She's so evil. Fuck Quinn Fabray. Moral of the story: Quinn is evil, and maybe a full tilt crazy like evil, evil bitch. But I love it. I love it because nobody else on the show is that is just mean and bitchy for the sake of it. It yeah. It's so self-indulgent and so selfish in a way that's similar to Shu, but he's unaware of it, where I think Quinn knows she's being fucking rotted. And I like that. Like I said, I, I appreciated that scene where, you know, she got hit by that bus and, like, kind of took her down a notch. Okay. I'm probably evil for saying that. But. That's fine. You're right. I think generally if people, I think people should dislike Quinn. She is a dislikable character. Yeah. The lima bean scene. Yeah, Santana to Dave. This is also iconic. About the jeans. That's that's not any less gay when he's like, I was just looking what jeans he was wearing. It's <laughs> so fucking funny. Her entire it's scene. It's so fucking funny. Oh my She's, God. When she says Auntie Tana. Oh, Auntie Tana. 40 minutes, 30 seconds, the amount of times I literally quoted her as saying, the only straight I am is straight up bitch. Like, made it my Tumblr bio, made it my Twitter bio. It was a huge meme and gift from this episode. Everywhere. Everywhere. You could not escape. She literally had so many good quotes in this episode. It's it's too crazy. Her saying she's not ready to get eat jicama and get a flat top. (laughs) Bro, it's just 
I don't know. Like, who wrote this episode? Again, it was they were so on fire. Yeah, yeah it was way too good. And Karofsky's just looking there like a, sitting there like a deer in headlights. Yeah, he's so dumb. He's dumb as a rock, honestly. Uh, yeah. And then it cuts to this amazing Finn performance. Best Finn song in the entire show. In the entire show. It suits his voice so perfectly. Sometimes randomly want to hear it. Like, I just... I'm, like, in the mood to hear yeah. it. It's so fun to sing along to. I literally got chills. Like, he sang so well. Yeah. And seeing him dance, and, like, he's... It's very sweet watching it, too. It's just, like, the perfect example of... It's so earnest and so nice. It really is. This is my favorite episode of Glee. Like, it's just so good. Like, I can't... Like, it's so good. It's... Again, it has something for everybody. Like, nobody was disappointed watching this episode. Because you have him just killing it and and he's also being like he's standing up to quinn in this episode he's trying to be supportive to rachel even though they're not together he's like coming into his own as like a bad dancer and a really good vocalist it's a really really well-rounded episode for him and just a really good example of character writing even when he's not the star of the episode and he's like wait i'm getting better right (laughs) yeah and it's it's so cute. It's just, he he had really good comedic timing, too. Yeah, he did. Um, Why is everyone so determined that Rachel cannot get a nose job? Like, at this point, know. we need to announce that neither of us is against plastic surgery. I'm definitely not against it. I know you're not either. Me either. It's just, like, I think there's a time and a place, and not when you're a 16-year-old girl, probably, because you're not an adult. Yeah. I agree with Santana generally, but I do think that Rachel should wait. If you want to do this, you should wait until you're old enough and you've really come into your body because you're still growing. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not the end of the world if the girl wants a nose job eventually. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. Because people keep telling her not to do it for the wrong reason. Yes. They need to tell her exactly what me and you are saying. Like, we're not against it. Like, that's fine if you want to do it. But you should wait until you're a little bit older so you feel more confident making the decision. Exactly. Because it's like, You can, I think when people automatically equate getting plastic surgery to hating yourself, it's really, it lacks nuance. Yeah. You can love yourself so much and just be like, you know what? I want to change something a little bit. Yeah. And you could do that in a healthy, like safe way. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That was like a through line through this whole episode where I was like, damn, you're all so annoying. Yeah. And this does feel very 2011. It does. I was getting really annoyed. Yeah. It was very, it's very dated. It is. All right, so then Rachel pulls out a picture, the mock-up picture of her with Quinn's nose. And honestly, I could not tell much of a difference in the front-facing picture of Rachel. Yeah, I couldn't really either. But in the side profile, it obviously was Quinn's yeah. nose. And she looks good, not like, gonna lie. Good. And that's to say we bo- we're we both two people who think Leah Michelle is so stunning. Gorgeous, yeah. But she looked great. It's like, I don't know. I think this episode... Is- it definitely brings up an interesting conversation, but all these kids were so annoying. Yep. And it's also funny because at this point, didn't Santana already have a boob job? Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> or wait, I don't know if it gets addressed. Wait, when does it get addressed? Season one? I think it's the beginning of season two. Okay. She addresses it because they were both still Cheerios. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when we get my favorite fight in the whole show. That makes sense. Which we will cover eventually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So then we get dramatic piano when Finn tells Rachel she's beautiful and not to get the nose job. And the camera pans from, like, Rachel to Finn to Quinn to Rachel to Finn to Quinn again. Like, it's so Mm -hmm. teenage drama. 
and I literally thought this was the height of drama acting at the time. I was like, it wow. Really so, like, he really went and complimented her. Oh, I was like, where are the Oscars? I was like, where are the Emmys? Where are the Oscars? Like, we need to give these people the awards. They deserve every award. Like, wow. Wow. They're serving. The Emmys were a nightmare for Gleeks. We did never, we never ate. Um, we did when Chris Colfer won that one time. And when they won that one time, that picture was like <laughs> edited and reposted so many times. I just remember Leah Michelle in her pink dress. That's all I remember. Yes. I, all I remember is that during Glee and everything like that was the fight between Glee and Modern Family. Oh my God. The Modern Family Emmy Awards. Best comedy series. They swept every single time they were nominated. They swept literally every year. Like people started calling it the Modern Family Awards every year. Yeah, which is just so funny. But that's like that's such a staple of my memory of this time of just people being like, "All right, the Emmys are on. Glee's gonna win maybe one thing, and it's not gonna be for series. Modern Family's gonna sweep." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." TBH. We recently rewatched. Modern Family, like from the beginning, watched every episode, and we were cackling, dying, laughing. Like I would it's often funny. have tears it's in my so eyes at the end of most episodes. It's just too. They're funny. all so fucking good. It's insane. I've never. Se- I will say I've never seen it like front to back. I've only ever just seen random episodes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because it's. I don't know. It just feels like one of those shows where I never kept up with it. But if it was on, I'd watch. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch an episode of that, I'm like, damn, this is fucking funny. We watched it all the way through because my mom told me that was her favorite show. She's like, this is my favorite show and you've never even like cared to watch. Like, there's a reason I think it's so funny. And at first I thought she was just like, I was like, well, if my mom finds it that funny, like, I guess I should watch a couple of it. Yeah. We watched like the entire first season and we're instantly like, this is some of the funniest TV that I've watched in my life. Yeah. It's just a class. It just feels like every episode feels like a classic. Yep. Yep. Every episode I've seen, I could be like, oh, yeah. And they're just all so... They have such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's another cast where they're all still really close. Yeah, they are. I mean, because they came up together. like, And sweet. they grew up together. Like, the kids started actually yeah. really young and ended up, like, playing college kids. It's so wild. Yeah, it's bizarre. That's so crazy to me. And they'll, and if they don't want to, they'll never have to work a day again. That show is going to make money till the end of time. Oh, so jealous. Oh, my God. We cut to Will and Emma in the teacher's lounge... And he starts being really condescending. And it's just so awkward. So the fact that he's bringing it up in such a public space. And if I was Emma, I probably would have stood up and left. But also, he's, like, so condescending when he's like, listen, we just put up with it because, like, you handle it well and you're, like, really cute about it. But, like, you should probably get help. I would have punched him so hard in his face if that was me. Yeah. It's so disgusting how he's talking to her. Right. And it just shows that he's, like, truly never had a real problem in his entire life. Right. Or had to deal with, like, any sort of mental illness. Which, again, Matthew Morrison is doing a good job at being an asshole. Yeah, he's acting really well. Good for him. Yeah. When he pulls the unwashed fruit out of the bag and wants her to eat it. Now, I need to say, like, first of all, I don't have OCD, but I would literally refuse to eat unwashed fruit, too. Oh, the whole time is so infuriating. It has a crap ton of pesticides yeah, on it. Yeah, you should wash your fruit. Like, especially berries. He's being totally unreasonable and literally forcing her to participate in exposure therapy right now. Like, you're not a therapist. Just... Yeah, it's not your job. You should... I think the times when he's like, you need to talk to someone professionally, you need to get help, he's doing the right thing. Yeah, that's the only right thing. For him just thinking he knows what to, what is right and what she needs, and him just like walking away and putting the whole container on her book it's so disrespectful it's so triggering for her obviously 
He's just a fucking asshole. It's so, ew, it's so infuriating. He's really terrible in this scene. And then there's a teacher in the background like, guys, this is the 30 minutes I get to myself in my entire day. Like, I'm trying to read the <laughs> yeah. newspaper right now. And you guys are, like, literally having, like, this... And it's also, like, these teachers need a break. This school is a full of terrors. Yeah, every, every kid in this school. Yeah, it's seriously... This is their safe space. Literally. Every kid in the school is a nightmare. Please give them their 30 minutes in the teacher's lounge. So then we cut back to the Glee Club. Dave announces his anti-bullying club. Santana mouthing Dave's speech to herself is like, we love a scheme queen. So funny. This is all to get Brittany to leave Artie. That's literally what all of this is for. This entire episode is literally so that, well, this entire episode arc is literally for Brittany to leave Artie. Lesbians are wild and they will do some crazy shit. We are powerful. We are freaking powerful. I love it. We are. But yeah, seeing Dave, Dave, boo, Dave, boo. boo. Hate when Dave is on the screen. It's so gross. I hate him. I hate him. But the slushy supercut <laughs> had I knew me you were gonna bring that up. pissing. I I just think it's like I know I said it last time, and I'm gonna say it every time. Every time a slushy happens, it makes me laugh out loud. I think it's the most insane thing. It doesn't make sense. I fucking love it. It's just so weird. It's just it's one of so those weird. things that just doesn't Do make these sense. kids just have, like, a full second wardrobe in their lockers for when this happens? Like, what is the protocol? Like, they go to the nurse, and the nurse is like, okay, take your pick. Yeah, exactly. I went to Macy's. I went to Kohl's. Like, She's like, she has to pull out, like, a secret wardrobe. It's so funny. It's just, I love it. It makes me so happy every time. She's like, Rachel, I ordered you the latest from Marc Jacobs' reindeer sweater collection. Kurt, I ordered you 55 top hats. Um, (laughs) Mercedes, I ordered you a striped shirt. Okay, I just have to say, did you notice, maybe it's me being crazy, Rachel looked especially matronly in this episode with how they were dressing her. And so did Quinn. I almost wrote this down, but I decided not to. It's weird, right? The moment in the show where she announces that she wants Quinn's nose, Quinn is wearing, like, this super, like, not conservative, but it's, like, just... No high schooler would wear it. Yeah, it's, like, a white... It's really age-inappropriate in in the opposite way, where it's, like, she... It makes her look look so much older. Yeah. But, like, I guess I did know girls who, like, did dress like our teachers. Mm, Yeah. Because, like, I don't... I don't know, but it just... It was something that kept coming up where every time Rachel's on screen, I was, like... Are they purposely making her dress older? It's very weird. Yeah. And, like, not in a chic way. Yeah, definitely. Well, like I said in our um, pilot episode, that she kind of comes into her own a little bit later. Season two is still pretty early, where she's yeah. still kind of wearing these ugly get-ups. She gets much more stronger with mm-hmm. her outfits, like, season three and beyond, I would say. When she goes more, like, mod. Yeah, exactly. It works a lot better for her. It does. Lots of bright colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we get Quinn looking at Dave and, like, being like, wait, Santana, who's sitting right next to me, who bullies everyone in this room within an inch of their life, helped you stop being a bully. Quinn knows. We don't get it. Like, she knows something's up. From one crazy bitch to another. Yeah. She immediately clocks that it's a, a scheme. She's like, oh, okay. Takes one to know one. I know exactly. what's going on here. Ah, oh, and that they have such a good unspoken connection between them because they are both yeah. evil in different ways. Yep. I love them. Yeah. All right. So then we cut to Kurt meeting with Dave with the parents in the room. Bert is a great dad. I I really love Bert, him. Bert, he's like one of my favorite TV dads. Me too. Or parents, just full stop. Me it's too. It's so refreshing to see 
someone just absolutely go to bat for their kid. Yeah, it is. Every single time. Without fear. And he never doubts Kurt either. Like, he never thinks that Kurt is lying for attention or doing anything like that. He always, always, always just believes his kid and defends his kid for anything that it's worth. Yes. Doesn't matter who he's talking to, he goes up for his kid, and it's just so sweet to see. Every time. And it's so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Every time he's on screen, it brings... It makes me so happy. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Especially, like, this was, like, 10 years ago now. Yeah. 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. It was nice to see being like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. There are people out there who, like, really ride for their kids like this and just mm-hmm. full, like, don't let them take any shit. Yeah. Best dad ever. He is. And when he's like, if I took the water out of the ocean, it wouldn't be wet anymore. Yep. Like, go off, go off, go off. He's right. He is. And he's just like, I think something that infuriated me about Dave's dad made me so mad. Me too. Because the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, your kid is the bad, is bad. You have done a fundamental bad job raising this child. Mm-hmm. One, for him to act out like this. Two, obviously you instilled some sort of like violent homophobia in him at a young age for him to think that being gay is the worst thing that could ever happen. Right. Like this all goes back to you and your parenting and him being like, we weren't always so accepting of homosexuals when we were their age. It's like, okay. I wasn't, you, I'm assuming you weren't threatening to kill gay people, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But, but like, yeah, it's just such an, it was so infuriating to hear him talk. And it's like, you're old enough to know that what you're saying is wrong, Dave. Yeah. You know you're wrong for this. Yeah. There's no excuse. And him to just make excuses the whole time, infuriating. Infuriating. And the fact that Kurt is even entertaining the idea that Dave might have changed is so, like, inherently good of him. Like, the fact that Kurt mm-hmm. didn't out Dave right then and there is so good. But also, like, yeah, it just shows something about his character. Like, I felt very endeared to Kurt in the scene. Like, I've never been the biggest, yeah. like, Kurt fan in the world. Like, love him. He's my favorite character. Like, I, I, I like him well enough. And I don't think he's, like... I don't think he's necessarily my favorite. I always liked the girl characters a little bit more for obvious reasons. But I think yeah. in this scene especially, I was just like, you know what? Like, he's a much he's better good. person than I could ever be in, in a oh, moment 100%. like this. 100%. Especially if me as a high schooler, if I yeah. was in his shoes, oh, it would have been... Un- I would have not been able to hold myself back from just, like, being an asshole. But it just shows how composed he is and how, how mature he is because of the shit that Dave has put him through. Right. And then we get Kurt asking if he could speak to Dave privately. And Dave tells him, like, the whole thing with Santana. And Mm -hmm. Kurt's like, this is very Lady Macbethian. And immediately makes a reference to All About Eve, which this scene was like, (laughs) this exact moment was totally written for me. And he's like, okay, if you're going to be gay, you simply must know who that is. Okay, (laughs) truth. Truth. He's right. Truth. He's right. It's like, there there are universal things that you as a queer person must know. Right. And Kurt is... An old soul. Mm-hmm. Kurt he knows. He's an old soul. Yeah. He, he's a lonely gay boy with an internet connection. He knows his shit. All right? He knows his shit. Yep. And it's just... It's it's a, another moment where you see Karofsky be... It just... It makes you a little... It doesn't... It just shows that he's uneducated. And he's so broken. Yeah. When he's like, I don't even know if I am gay. And it's like, oh, dude, the ship has sailed. Like, first off, you just have to... Get, oh, you have to accept it at this point. You know what's really troubling for me? That when I watched this, just now at least, I understand he's a bully and he's, you know, despicable for what he did to Kurt. And I, I really 
if that happened to me, there's no way I would be able to be in the same room as him. And again, it comes back to this mm-hmm. question of, you know, who's a better person? And, and Kurt's, of course, the better person here. But I did feel a little bit of pity for Dave in this scene because yeah, it just shows too. how how as an individual he has not gotten the support from anyone around him in his friendship circle. You know, he's friends with all these super toxic jerks. And, and his family, you see that his dad is, you know, homophobic and it's like he doesn't have the support to explore or at least celebrate the part of himself that kurt is able to so freely because he has a supportive parents this scene is meant to show the juxtaposition i think between kurt and his journey to self-acceptance and pride Mm. and dave's inability to do that and lack of willingness to do that because so much of what he loves and holds dear is at stake you know he has his dad but his dad's against it he has his football team but his teammates his teammates are against it like it's just the complete and utter juxtaposition that this scene gives that makes it so strong and it makes me feel pity truly for Dave's character. Not that not that we should feel bad for him as a bully, but that we should feel bad for him as a closeted individual who really will never yeah. will never be and able he, to And I will say the actor who's playing Dave like does do such a good job in this scene where you're just like, Yeah, yeah you do feel sad for him, even though he's the bad guy in this scenario, you're just like, Wow. You are so sad and you're so broken. Yeah. And it's devastating to see because you don't have to be. Yeah. Like, how do you look at someone like Kurt, who's so, so out there, like head first into the world and still, no matter all the shit he's been through that you've put him through, still holds his head up high and still is so like happy with himself now and proud and has this community of this glee club and he has blaine and he has his family how do you see that and then still think oh it's not worth it i can't be like that it's so sad like that itself makes it so sad yeah it's such a bum (sighs) it's a great scene though it's such a good dynamic between these two characters it is it is it's a really good scene yeah kurt is more level-headed than i'll ever be he is he is an extremely good character. Um, just very well written, very well developed. Yeah, and Chris Colfer does a phenomenal job. He does. Um, okay, so then we cut to the Warbler saying goodbye. Kurt is back at McKinley. Tell me how I got chills immediately after hearing Darren sing, I walked across. He's like, I walked across. I immediately got chills. I was just like, yep, yep, we're in it, we're in it. It's so good. I kid you not, the other night watching this, I st- <laughs> Tell me how you sobbed. You sobbed. I am crying right now. <laughs> I'm not joking. I will literally, I will take a picture and I will text you. <laughs> I'm crying right now just talking about this. This scene is so important to me. It's, this is maybe one of my top 10 favorite scenes in a TV show, full stop, no matter what. Blaine... Loves Kurt so much. hmm And is so... Th- again, their dynamic, and it's so... It's not... It's similar, but not the same as the Kurt and David dynamic. Where, like, when Kurt first meets Blaine, Kurt is so scared of everything and being himself and being out there. Yeah. And Blaine, like, he tells him courage. The whole... Like, the courage text and all that shit is so important to to Kurt's character and his development and his acceptance of his queerness yeah. and him being who he is. Yeah. And, like, he needed 
not that to say he needed Blaine to like find that, but he needed to see that there was an option out there to be happy. And Blaine gave him that. Mm. And oh my god, I love these fucking boys so much. <laughs> like, they truly got me through high school. The early or beginning of high school. Oh my god, this show has done so much more for me than like... Which feels so stupid to say because Glee is such a batshit show. But like, seeing Kurt and Blaine and the online fandom and the fan art and the fiction and all that stuff and the community built around these two boys... And how well-written they were, at least in the beginning. Just this show gave me something to go off of. I, it, I have to say, yes, like... I was like, oh my god, p- people exist out there. No, literally. Like, okay, in the future, someday in the future, I could have a partner who will show up for me in a t- really difficult time and sh- and like d- demonstrate how much they love me. And support me no matter what. No matter what decision I make. Or, like, someday in the future, I'm going to be really scared and I'm going to have a partner who encourages me to be brave. Just to do it. Yeah. And, like, when... Okay, so this perform Like, I need to talk. Yeah. I need to talk about this performance. Okay, go on. I love this song. I didn't really have a big relationship with the song beforehand. Yeah. Seeing Kurt back at McKinley makes me so happy. It, it brings so much joy to me. And how excited they are. And it just it feels like, oh, my God. Like, this is what it's like when you find... Like, a, to have a found family. Mm-hmm. He has it. This is it. These are his people. These are his people. For good or bad, like, even when they have their moments and they're, like, mean to each other and everything like that. See, Blaine and the Warblers coming down those fucking steps get me every time. Darren Chris has the most beautiful fucking voice. His voice is so... Is so it feels so effortless and so raw at the same time. He is acting in this scene. Fully. I believe that he's in love with him. No, fully. I believe it. He's he's like, and when he starts playing the piano and his face looks Ugh. so anguished, you're just like, he's he looks, feeling it. He's really suffering. He's like, his boy is leaving. His boy is leaving. And this, it just, it proves to you how good of a character Blaine is and how good of a person he is. Because when this whole thing arose and the option for uh, Kurt to go back to McKinley comes up, he could have been selfish. Any teenage boy would be selfish and be like, don't go back, it's dangerous, just so he could keep his boyfriend near him mm-hmm. and have them together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially because they had only just gotten together a couple episodes before, like, really. Yeah. So they're they're still new, and he could have just been selfish and been like, no, fuck this, like, you should stay here, it's da- too dangerous for you to go back, whatever, the, whatever, whatever. But no, he's he knows, and he's so mature at this point in his life where he knows, no, you have to do this, this is for you, that's your family there. I'm not going anywhere, and he's secure enough in himself in the relationship, even though it's new, to know that this isn't going to hurt us, it's only going to make us better, because now you can really be yourself and be who you want to be, and be around your family again. And it's just like, this song is so good, and it's so sad, because it's, he's leaving him, and this song in general is just like, it's sad, yeah. but it's so exciting for him to be like, just be able to let him go. And know that it's not going to hurt them. Amazing performance. I loved it. Oh, it's phenomenal. This is what I revisit all the time. And I remember being, I was 15, 16. I was about to be 16 when this episode premiered. And I just remember being in my room watching this and being on Tumblr and live blogging it and just like melting down and being like, oh my God, like it may not be happening for me now. 
but I will eventually find people who, like, truly love me for who I am and will be there for me regardless. Mm -hmm. And, like, seeing Blaine and Kurt be that for each other was so fundamental in my, like, self-acceptance, which is so crazy to say, oh my god, I, I fucking love these boys. It's so, it's so important to me. It's such a good fucking episode. This episode makes me feel everything. Like, the range of emotions. It makes me feel everything. I, oh my, I was, so I got home the other night and then watched the episode, like, late, so I had ordered food. I was literally crying into my McDonald's while watching this. (laughs) That's so on brand for you, as a cancer. It's so, like, (laughs) truly, I was like, as soon as it started, I started crying and I was eating my nuggets and I was like, oh my god, I love them so much. And how did, like, how is everyone not in love with Blaine? I know, right? And then at the end, Kurt says, I'll never say goodbye to you. Oh, God. Okay, that melted me. That melted me. Melts. It kills me. Yep. They love each other so much, and they're so mature for their age. Yeah. So good. Um, We need to talk about Kurt's necklace. I'm sorry, because I did this last episode, too, where I noticed Rachel's ballerina ne- necklace at the end of, a, like, a kind of a serious scene. But, like, their necklaces but are... it's insane. It literally looks like a ring of keys. And for me, as lesbian representation on the show. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, that, and there's like, I don't want to give them too much credit. There's no way that isn't some sort of reference. Kurt is so online. He's so aware of culture and queer culture. There's no way he doesn't know about that. When was, when was Fun Home actually published? And then we need to talk about when it was turned into a musical. Because when I actually saw the musical on Broadway... Um, I'm so jealous. It was after, it was after Glee, I want to say. Because I was living in New York at that point. Yeah. Um, Fun Home was published in 2006. Okay, okay. So that tracks. So it so could have been a reference to the actual... Yeah. So I think to the actual graphic novel. Because yeah. the Broadway production wasn't until 2015. Okay, okay. For me... I think that is absolutely a reference from from Kurt. I think Kurt is f- very aware of uh, queer culture and, like, he's so... Especially because I would say before he gets the Glee Club and gets his friends and everything like that, he's definitely someone who is online looking for community and looking for any sort of reference to himself in culture. So I think seeing something like Fun Home or anything like that would definitely be important to him. And there's us giving the Glee writers way too much credit, and it's just a, an ugly costume choice. But, like, but I, I, I want to believe. I believe yeah. it. I, I believe, believe it. I choose to believe it. Okay. Oh. Um, and then we get another riveting performance immediately oh. following that one. Like, you're already kind of emotionally tanked, and then we hear everything's as if we never said goodbye. Immediate chills. It's like, all a high. The song is so The rest good. of this episode is all fucking high. Like, it, it's on one. This is the best episode. Of, this is my all-time favorite episode of Glee. Bar it's none. It's incredible. This is the best episode. It's incredible. The best songs, the best character writing, the best scenes, the funniest quotes, the funniest one-liners, the most emotional oh, moments. Shit. It's just everything back to back to back to back. And it's like, boom, the episode ends and you're just like, wow. He sounds so fucking good in this song. He sounds amazing. And the song choice is perfect for a return to high school because if you listen to the lyrics... Like, towards the end, it's, like, overcrowded Ugh. hallways, early morning madness. Like, it's so true. That's high school in a gist. I love this song so much. It's one of my favorite musical theater songs. Gun Close is shaking. I literally have a note that says, <laughs> eat shit, Gwen. I 
It's so good. It's he sounds so good, and he looks great. And like the, his outfit in this scene yeah. is phenomenal. It's so streamlined. It's his hair looks great in this. He sounds phenomenal. I can't get over it. It is this whole episode is just again. I know I keep saying it, but like all no filler. There's no filler in this episode at all. I'm converting you. I'm converting you into a born this way truther. It's one of the best. Like, yeah, I am. Like, it's so. I forgot how good this episode is, and it's so nice to see that shot when it's from the piano in the Glee Club. Yeah, and his arms are like outstretched above his head, and you see all the faces behind him. They just want him to be back, and then they give him a standing ovation. And they're all so happy, and they're just like really, they're so happy and excited he's back. Do you ever just literally think about how these kids literally had a club where they could just stand in front of their friends and sing a song because they wanted to or because they were feeling really into it? Like, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm so high-key jealous. jealous. Like, there's times I just want to sing. I just want to sing Defying Gravity and I kind of want an audience. And it's like, yeah, cheer for me. When he's when he like gets quiet and he just says, live for. Oh, it gets me every oh. fucking time. Every time. He's so good. Like, he's too good. where is his award? Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Um, Unfortunately, you have to cut from those two amazing performances to a stupid-ass scene about Quinn's childhood. Like, I really don't give a shit. I almost skipped this scene, and I was, like, really annoyed watching it. Oh, my God. Like, I literally almost fast-forwarded it. I like the scene because Lauren Zeiss is a monster. Yeah. (laughs) She's just as evil as Quinn and Santana, but in a way that I fucking am rooting for she, I love oh. when anybody can knock Quinn off of her pedestal, and this is, like, one of the first times we see that, I feel. It's devastating. Because, you know what? Quinn started this. She did. This is retaliation for being a fucking mm-hmm. bitch. So I don't have... I don't feel bad for Quinn in I don't. this scene. I don't. Because it's like, you brought this on yourself. Yeah, and she basically became a bully after being bullied for how she looks. So make it make sense. Like, it doesn't make exactly. sense. Exactly. Instead of making It her- doesn't make any sense. Instead of making her more compassionate, it literally becomes like an origin story. She's a full-on villain, and she needs to go to therapy, to be honest. But I still hate her. It's also similar. Like, her and Karofsky have very similar vibes. Like, they hate each other because other people made them hate themselves. Yes. Hating themselves so much, so they just become mean. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, true. Like, that people do that. That's a, that's a really universal high school experience but it's just like bro you're taking it a step too far yeah it's and but i you know what in some sick way when quinn says i love myself i believe her oh god i believe her because i think she's i think she's out of her mind i hate that scene it's wild that scene is crazy all right (laughs) all right moving along then we cut to flash mob this if, if someone started a flash mob for me, <laughs> I would end my life. I would end my life in front of them. Yeah. Forever changing the course. It's so <laughs> wild. I have two notes on this scene. Yeah, it's nuts. The first one is we get comedic gold. <laughs> Rachel's immediately like, is she here? And Kurt's like, no, babes, this is a mall in Ohio. <laughs> It makes me crack up I died. every time. I that is his delivery is so good in that scene. He's like, no, this is a mall in Ohio. It's so fucking yeah. funny. He's just like, damn, you're dumb. It is. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> um, 
My second note is the fact that they chose this song to convey to Rachel that she shouldn't get a nose job instead of like an actual Barbara Streisand song. Like what? They blew the budget. Make it make sense. They blew the budget with Born This Way. They're like, okay, so instead of choosing a, one of Barbara Streisand's songs that's like inspiring and powerful, we're going to choose a song that just says Barbara Streisand's name over and over again. I guarantee you it was because it was cheap. Oh my God. And it just... I guarantee you, because the rest of the songs in this, bangers. Like, I know As If We Never Say Goodbye wasn't cheap. I guarantee Born This Way wasn't cheap to get the rights to. They chose this because it was cheap. I fully, I fundamentally believe that. I need to backtrack what I said earlier in the episode where I said, I don't skip a single song. Every single song is good. This is skippable for me. This is, I don't even count this though because they're not, I don't think they're really singing it. Are they? I think they are because. I don't think so. No, I think they are because it ends up getting released on Glee the Music. They don't release, they don't release stuff on Glee Music albums unless they actually sing it. That is so unfortunate. Yeah. That must have been an easy day in the studio. No offense to this person, to Duck Sauce. What kind of name is that? But this is awful. Yeah. (laughs) This is awful. Kurt's dancing is criminal. Terrible. Terrible. Worse than Finn's. I agree. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Great transition to the next scene. Emma's at her therapist. It's kind of cool that they actually have this scene on a show for teens. I... I really like this scene. It's true. Like when you first go to therapy, like I imagine it's it's not easy to start talking about stuff like that. I I really like this scene. I think I always forget her name, the woman who plays Emma. Oh, uh Jama Mays. Yes. She's doing a really good job. She's a really good actress in this scene. Like I really believe her and like it's it makes me feel sad watching her cuz I'm like, "Oh, she's she doesn't she does want help. She just is, she is incapable of asking for it. Yeah. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, it is. Is it just me or is Emma's therapist looking kind of familiar? I don't know who that is, but she looks very familiar I don't know who she is either, but me. she looks, yeah, she's definitely been in something I've watched before. She has one of those faces where I'm like, I've seen you before. It yeah. also could be from just watching Glee dozens of times. Yeah. But I was like, I know you from somewhere. Uh-huh. I will say this reminds me of another really iconic storyline uh, a Grey's Anatomy storyline where Meredith goes to therapy. Yep. And it's just like, it's so, it's nice to see a character struggle in a way that is going to help them. Right. If that makes sense. It does. Because when Meredith goes to therapy, at first she's totally in denial that she needs it. And then she ends up making major breakthroughs on her relationship with her mom and uncovering. And you actually see her change from that. Yeah. Like, yep. Like there's a, Meredith before and after the, the therapy story arc is like two fundamentally different characters. Yep. And she like, especially for a show that went on that's going on as long as Grey's did. It's good that they actually carry over that character growth and don't it doesn't kind of reset every now and again. We're like on soap operas, which is kind of the format that Grey's is at this point, which I grew up watching with my mom, like Guiding Light and all that stuff you have these characters reset every couple years so that you can get people reinterested in them kind of being a villain or being dopey or whatever, where Grey's is kind of not doing that, where the characters don't just change back to their old ways again. Like, Meredith still, to this day, carries through those storyline, those things she learned in the therapy storyline. Uh-huh. And I think that happens that happens here, too, with Emma, where, like, there is a notable noticeable shift in her character from here on out once she does start 
getting help and bettering herself and like actually trying to work through and cope with this mental illness she has. So I think it's a it is a really nice example of like okay, like they're actually taking strides to work this character out a little bit more and develop them yeah. like long term, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, I agree. It's a good example of long-term writing. Yeah, which is not something you see in a show like Glee. That's like this a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You usually get short story arcs. Yeah, especially for a character that's not really background character. Main cast. Yeah. Um but yeah. And then we cut to a scene of Finn talking to Quinn, um, where Finn reveals he has a picture of Quinn when she <laughs> was Lucy in his wallet. And we, you know, Finn's kind of a sweetheart sometimes, but I'm on Team Finchel. Finchel forever. Faithfully Finchel. Team Finchel, but Finn is being a good boyfriend in this scene. And I also like the locker scenes that they have, like a lot of the locker scenes that him and Quinn have. Especially, I think, I think there's one earlier... When he's saying you shouldn't be doing this because he's, like, mad at Quinn for going with Rachel and supporting her and Mm -hmm. getting the nose job and everything Uh like this. And it's just shot in a really interesting way. Yeah. She's like, yet again, we're talking about Rachel. I'm your girlfriend. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a really good scene because he, she's right, but also it's nice that he's standing up to her and he's not just getting bulldozed by her, which happens a lot in the show where he's just like, okay. Yeah. I guess. But I also like that scene because you see the other people opening their lockers too. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, this is a really visually interesting moment for a show like this. Then we have an even better locker scene, which is Brittany and Santana exchanging shirts. Yeah, we do. The way I wanted the Lebanese shirt so badly when this first aired. <laughs> and she goes, I'm Hispanic. I died. I fucking <laughs> died. Laughing. I'm Hispanic. Oh my God. She's so fucking funny. It's so good. It's so good. Um, she's so real here. And Naya did a great job in this scene. She really is. I kind of forgot that I get, like, mildly annoyed when Britney has nitwit moments and the whole dumb blonde trope is totally overused on her, but I read a really great fanfic back in the day called Influence. Um, And it's by this user called Sappho's Ghost, and it explains... (laughs) The fanfic explains why Britney acts that way and also why Santana loves her so much, and it's the best fanfic I ever read. Oh, I've never read it. We're going to link it. Yes, hell yeah. It's 161,949 words and it has 26 chapters. Fuck yes. That is what I like to see. That is what I'm talking about. The kids these days with their fanfics, they're not doing it like that anymore. No, no. Anybody who ships Britney and Santana needs to read this fanfic. Hell yeah. I will be. Okay. And that's all I have to say on this scene. Wait, I have one note. (laughs) When she says... Legend has it that when I came out of my mother, I told the nurse she was fat. Another iconic quote. She's so... They wrote her so good what on this What the fuck? App. This is her app. This is her app. Uh, She's on one in this app. It is. Just really good. Yeah. Lebanese. Lebanese. And then we cut to Emma with her pills. Yeah. Not me pausing on the pill bottle to see if there's a birthday written on it, which there wasn't. <laughs> I knew you were gonna. There wasn't, but she strikes me as a water sign. I'll just say that. I knew it. She definitely... I think she's a Pisces. No, I don't think she's a Pisces. She's not calm enough to be a Pisces. I think she's either a Cancer or a Scorpio. And she's not as reserved with her emotions as a Cancer. So I think she's a Scorpio. She's a very intense person, kind of. Like, when she she feels her emotions, she just lets it all kind of fly. She doesn't, like, hide it and then explode about it later like Cancers can tend to. But, like... Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I would never. You are such a damn liar. (laughs) (laughs) cancers cancers that's why y'all sign is the crab okay anybody listening who wants a little astrology talk 
Yeah, let's get into it. We're going to talk about water signs for a little bit. So water signs, there's three signs that are water signs. It's Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. The thing they all have in common is that they are very, very, very emotional people. Like whether it's their feelings that they feel internally, or the way they reveal their emotions externally, or the way they feel their emotions, both internally and externally. I would say that Pisces is the most balanced of the water signs, where Pisces absorb other people's feelings and are very compassionate. And if they're with somebody who's having a bad day, they start to have a bad day. But they're also very open and willing to talk about their emotions. They tend to be the healthiest with how they express themselves. Then there's cancers. Cancers, their sign is the crab. (laughs) And the reason for that is they have a very soft inside, very tender and vulnerable, but they need a hard exterior and they use it as a defense mechanism. So cancers tend to hide how they actually feel unless they're with somebody that they really trust or they just have a moment where of extreme vulnerability where they just need to reveal their emotions. And then finally, you have Scorpios and it's kind of like the most untamed of the three signs where... <laughs> yeah. They everything they feel, they feel it on the next level. If there's 10 levels, they're on the 11th level of feeling whatever emotion is. If they're mm. happy, you know about it. If they're sad, you know about it. If they're mad, you know about it and you feel it and you're kind of scared. Um, I love Scorpios. <laughs> <laughs> I would like the listeners to know that I am a Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, who was raised by a Scorpio Sun, if that tells you anything. And I would like the listeners to know that I have um, four planets in Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Scorpio stellium, which is when you have three or more planets in Scorpio. Um, so it creates like a major influence on your personality. And I love I love it. I love my Scorpio aspects. <laughs> I, I think there's nothing wrong with being emotional. I 100% agree. Yeah. All right. Is it just me or Emma dry swallowed her pill? She dry swallowed the pill and then drank the water. It was very weird. Like, girly, that's why you have the water. Yeah. It, okay. I I also, like... Like, I see her swallow. Yeah, she does. I had to do a double take. I had yeah. to do a double take. All right. So, Shoe, then we cut to Shoe with his shirt reveal. Honestly, his other possible shirts could have been Bad Taste in Woman, Corny, Friends Are All Teens, or Selfish. Those are the Shoe shirts that I thought would be better. I said his shirts would say, Asshole Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit more succinct than when I wrote, but I think it, we're saying the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my god! I, I like looked at it and I was like, "Man, shut the fuck uh, up!" <laughs> <laughs> butt chin. Yeah, that's your problem. Your butt chin. Oh my god. Um. All right. But oh my god. Finally, we cut to the most iconic scene, which is the born this way scenes. Again, full body chills immediately. I oh yeah. I wish Santana was in this number Ugh. so bad, but I got to see her perform it at Glee Live, and I need to talk about so Glee Live. Us. I'm about to go on a rant Absolutely. about Glee Live. When I saw this live, Get into it. I thought I was going to faint. I was literally crying <laughs> so much and scream singing along. I like ran out of air. Like I was like panting and gasping for <laughs> air and breath because not only was I crying, mucus all over my face, tears all over my face, but I was like screaming and singing every song and also like dancing my ass <laughs> off, like getting my life at Glee Live. Oh my God. As you should. And honestly, I have to say that this is the best Glee cover of all time and the best episode of Glee of all time. And this scene is just the cherry (laughs) on top. Like this song and this scene is the cherry on top. And this show is just about the struggle that teens face with every aspect of being a teen and being in high school. Mm. And it 
it goes across so many topics and so many different identities, so many different, um, like, not just sexualities, but also, like, cultures, right? And, like, talking about, like, each person's different issues that they have and making every single thing its own storyline, but also encapsulating it so effectively like they talk about Santana's issues and we see that storyline and then we see it juxtaposed with Kurt's storyline and then we see it juxtaposed with Dave's storyline then we see Rachel dealing with her um self-expression and her and and her looks and how she feels about herself and then we see you know Finn talking about you know I'm a teenage boy and I'm awkward and I can't really dance. I can sing and this club is the only thing keeping me going. And then we see Lauren talking about her weight and her issues with, you know, how other girls at the school are perceived versus how she's perceived. I mean, everybody in this episode is just going through it. Yeah. And this moment where they all come together and we see glee is the thing that brings them together and allows them to celebrate their identities and who they are and encourages them to be proud. Like it's kind of bringing tears to my eyes right now, honestly, because you just watch it and you're just like, God, like I've never thought of something that could be so meaningful that it makes you feel proud to express who you are. And I think that's also part of why this show just, works god i'm like emotionally exhausted after talking about this episode just because it's so good but like i need a likes girl shirt it's such a good um i okay yes what i'm gonna tell you the two shirts that i need okay it this episode is such a perfect um not like kind of like elevator pitch for the show Mm. yeah it's like if if you didn't think you'd like Glee or really get what it's about, watching this episode gives you the perfect, like, the perfect rundown on the whole uh, vibe or idea of everything you just explained, where it's like, this is the place where these kids can just be themselves and don't have to worry about being teenagers mm-hmm. and can let it all out and not hide how they are, or how they're feeling or everything like that. Yeah, it's like, it might be the best episode. It is. It is. It is. It's so good. It is. It's mm-hmm. really just like... Mo- yep. start to finish there it is it's perfect even the duck sauce barbara streisand part is like funny at least it's at least funny you're like oh god this is so corny and funny i'm gonna watch it but i'm gonna hate it but i'm gonna watch it yeah yeah okay so the two shirts that i need mm-hmm. i need the likes boy shirt obviously and unfortunately i do need the i'm with stupid shirt that puck is wearing i oh god saw that i forgot that that's what his shirt was and i was like yep i do need that it is true (laughs) i need a likes girl shirt and speaking of likes girl shirts i i'm sorry michelle in advance um because we need to talk about the time that diana agron wore a likes girl shirt on one of the on one of the glee lives oh and the online glee fandom died trying to figure out what it meant loaded it was scary it was scary. And then she had to be like, no, sorry. Like, I just was wearing it for, like, fun and just to, like, celebrate pride. Like, no, no, it's not what you think. I'm an ally. Girly. Little did we know. Well, we actually, we knew a I lot. Mean, like, <laughs> we, we knew. We knew a lot. And I'm sure we are both going to get texts in the group chat from Michelle about how yep. <laughs> the history of Swift Grand during the t- this time. Yeah. And I we will wait. we will bring that up. We will do it again. But, yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that photo because I, unfortunately, never got to see... Glee Live, uh, I was not as fortunate, but I remember seeing those photos online of her wearing the Likes Girl shirt, and I was like, oh yeah, baby, let's get into it. Let's do it. Also, can they just not see Santana sitting there? Right. Where is she? 
She's like right there. No, I think they're kind of further towards the back. But the are they way in that the they, back? The way they shot the scene so close up makes you think that they're close to the stage. But the camera yeah. was just close to them. I think. I think they were. Further yeah, in I don't the back. know because I was I was watching it. I was like, can they not see her? She's right there. Right, because they're probably <laughs> performing to an empty auditorium. Then you just see these two yeah. figures in the background. Like, you just. And it's not like the house lights aren't on. Like, it's not mm. like it, it's pretty bright in there still. Right. Even from the stage point of view, when you see it, like, how can they not see them there? And she's fully wearing the Lebanese shirt. Oh, my God. Santana wearing the Lebanese shirt. And Dave Karofsky is just sitting there. She's wearing it, but not performing because she isn't ready to be out yet. And sitting mm. next to Dave because he isn't ready to be out yet. And it's just like, these two so people bad. are more alike than you want to think they are. And it's just tragic and so good and such a great way to end this episode. It is such a... God, and that's... Such a perfect button on the episode. It is, and that's Born This Way, and that was uh, the best freaking episode of Glee of all time. We will not be able to raise the bar. It is like zero to a hundred, that episode. Mm-hmm. It does not stop the entire time. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. Are you ready to reveal what you want to watch for our next episode, or are you going to make me wait? Yes. Okay, go ahead. What are we watching? So I think the next one is going to be season two, episode four, Duets. Duets. Ah, that's one of my favorites, too. Oh, I can't wait. Duets. One of my absolute favorites. And we aren't going in, like, a chronological order just because it's kind of more fun to bounce around because we're not talking about, like, plot a lot of the time. Right. It's more so just the specific vibe of the episode and how it impacted us. So we're going to be bouncing around a little bit, but next week is going to be duets. So if you want to watch it before we talk about it next week, please do. I'm very excited. It has one of my favorite, favorite performances in the whole show. I won't spoil it, but we'll get there. Okay, awesome. Well, I can't wait to watch it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And please write us on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. And you can look for our next episode anywhere you get your podcasts. Yep. Uh, Yeah, and there will be links to the socials and stuff in the episode notes. And we'll link that fan fiction. We have to link you to our website, which some of you might have seen, but we have an official website now. So looking forward to sharing that across all of our platforms. Yes. So exciting. Alrighty. All right. That was Born This Way, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my God, he's online. Can he see me? What the hell is she talking about? Who's this? Can I speak to Angelina, please? No, she died.